let's embark on an exciting new journey. Get inspired to explore the shallows and the depths with her ocean story. Mahalo for listening from one ocean lover to another. I'm your host, Jennifer Marie, and I'm ready to have some fun on this party wave together. Aloha, ocean lovers, and welcome to Her Ocean Story. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarado. And today for episode four, we have a guest from Miami and Puerto Rico representing. Woohoo! Her name is Frances Rivera. She is a rep and territory manager for Cabrina and Dakine. Very excited to have her here. She manages the Central and South Americas and the Caribbean, my favorite place. And she's also a volunteer kite surf instructor for wind sports for Wounded Warriors and also on the board for Veterans Adventure Group and participates in Dive Heart, an amazing organization, nonprofit for people with disabilities to get help with diving, with scuba diving. She's all about the ocean, just like myself, and we're going to hear her story and what led her to where she is today. I'm very excited. Hi, Francis. How are you? Hey, I am doing uh, great. How about yourself? Thank you. Thank you. So let's get started. I like to ask everybody just from the very beginning, when and where did your love for the ocean begin? Was it Florida, Puerto Rico? Very curious. So, uh, I'm, I am an island girl. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And uh, as you know, you know, in the Caribbean, the islands are not that big. An island that is 100 by 35, we're surrounded by water. And since yep. I was a child, I was very inclined to, to be in the water as much as possible. My mom had uh, put me uh, for sports uh, swimming since I was about five years old. And uh, that's, that's where it all began, just swimming laps in a, in a, in a pool and then started boogie boarding and surfing in the ocean. Nice, nice. And how did you know like you wanted this to be a career? Like how did you get into the career aspect of working for a kite surfing company and all those things? So it was one of those things that um, ever since I learned how to surf, how to um, kiteboard, I looked up to people that did it and I always wished there was something I ended up doing, but I thought that it was going to be just a dream, you know, like most people just end up in corporate and do their nine to five jobs and whatever. And uh, I went to university to, you know, have a, a career in nursing and I joined the military and I thought I was going to make a career out of that and never would have ever thought that my wildest dreams will come true. Just be a rep for the sport that I really enjoy and, and I do constantly. Oh, wow. So you studied nursing first? Yes. I, uh, when I was in the military, I was a medic for the army. And because of that, after, um, after some time, I, I went to the university and, and, and was translating it into nursing just because it was my, my army career. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's very, very cool. Very exciting. And who were your mentors? Like who helped you get into kite surfing? How did you do that as a kid? Or you did that in adulthood? I, uh, I, I did it on my teens. Uh, I was 19 uh, when, I, when I got into it. I saw some people doing it in Ocean Park. That is a pretty uh, touristy beach in Puerto Rico in, uh, in about like a condado-ish area. And I, I, one day I was just looking at the ocean and I'm seeing people just jumping 30, 40 feet up in the air. And I'm just like, what is that? And... At that time, I was still skateboarding, 
and I had gone through an injury that took me about a year to to heal from. I broke all the ligaments doing a trick and on my ankle. Oh. So oh, wow. like after a year um, from the injury, I was still, you know, still feeling it. And, and I, I was wanting to get something else that wouldn't be as painful in the body as falling in concrete. Oh, so, yes. I feel you there. <laughs> so being someone that occasionally was surfing and, you know, I used to spearfish and, and whatnot, uh, just seeing that it's like, okay, this is it. This is the next big thing to do. Yes, definitely. I Everybody asks me, how can you do all these crazy things in the water? And I'm like, how do people do it on land? I, I admire skateboarders and people and bike, people, bicycle cyclists. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, if you fall, you fall on land. <laughs> that hurts a lot more. <laughs> I much prefer falling in water. <laughs> much softer landing. <laughs> yeah. Softer landing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And um, so what was the biggest, I guess, challenge in obtaining an instructor certificate, a kite surfing instructor. How did your career with Cabrina begin? So I uh, I became an instructor just after about in between uh, being uh, medically discharged from the army because of my leg amputation. And uh, in the beginning, being an instructor with one leg was pretty challenging, more with the teaching scenario that we had in Isla Verde, which was, you know, lots of walking lots of body dragging and lots of walking a day. So, you know, going from not moving a ton in the beginning when I became an amputee to just doing, I don't know, sometimes five, six miles a day walking with a kite uh, teaching, that was pretty challenging on the body. But it was just a matter of repetition and just getting the body used to those movements and the constant walking and whatnot. Uh, but once that was completely dialed in, um, I guess I got a little bit of lucky. But some of my legs were be- being built in Miami specifically. And <laughs> when I would come up here, uh, the owner of the skateboarding school in Puerto Rico that I used to work for, he would send me to, to Cabrina Warehouse because we were at Cabrina Center School. And I, that's how I started meeting the people that turn out to be later on and my bosses. And because of this situation, it was why they, they were able to put a, a face to, to, to an instructor that they knew worked in Puerto Rico that was missing a leg. And late years later, when I moved uh, um, to South Florida to work in yachts, to do yachting for a little bit, I, I had sent an email to Todd, who is uh, the sales manager uh, for the brand for Cabrina. And mm-hmm. asking for a sponsorship, and and he comes back while I was working in a yacht in the Bahamas, saying I can offer you a job, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's see. And just as I got back from that job, they literally, when we got back to Miami, that family was like, well, we're no longer gonna need you, and I was like, well. I'm going to that job interview and been with Cabrina ever since. So I guess it was meant to be. Oh, yes, definitely. That's awesome. And what's your favorite part about working for them? The traveling. (laughs) I have a very, yeah, (laughs) my territory is pretty big. It's pretty much anything south of Mexico. And there are so many different locations that are so great for kiteboarding and so many different cultures 
that, that definitely one of the biggest perks are being able to just travel to so many different locations and, and share the stoke of the sport and, and do demos and, and, and meet different cultures. Do you have a favorite one that you just never get tired of going back to? So Brazil for the longest time was like my favorite. And then this year I had the opportunity to go to Venezuela and I got to say Venezuela, mm. my heart, it's, it's definitely up there with Brazil. I would say it's, it's, it's the first place as of now. Oh, wow. Why is that? Like, why would you choose oh, that? Venezuela is just pretty incredible. Like when you go to, um, to Los Roques in like that's Caribbean ocean, it just, the water is just so crystal clear blue and you're just hopping in between islands and, and it's pretty remote and, and it's, it's just, it, it, it's so warm. It gives you that warmth feeling uh, that I guess I get when I'm home. Uh, the culture is very, people are very friendly and the food is good, but the conditions and in, in just in particular Los Roques has been a mind blowing experience. And then you That's have awesome. all these other spots in Venezuela, which, you know, I was not able to go to all of them, but um, the demo consisted in, in going to four different spots and going to Adicora and going to El Yaque, which is pretty famous for, for kiteboarding and for windsurfing. Um, just going to all these meccas uh, of kiteboarding in, in Venezuela was, was just pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. I, I would love to immerse myself more in the windsurfing culture when I'm traveling. I usually travel for scuba diving, but I, and I haven't done a lot of it for, for wing foiling just yet or kite surfing. And I definitely want to do that to see the culture of each wind sport community in different countries. It's, definitely... it's pretty unique. It gives you a different perspective on, on like how to travel. You know, it, it, you definitely change it up. Like, for example, I do diving as well. And if I go to a certain place that I know might not be super windy, it's like, it's like, all right, if it's not windy, I'm going diving. And if it's too windy, I'm going kiteboarding. So no matter what, I'm doing something. And, and exactly. that's, that's, that's the true scenario for when I go to Mexico. Like I go to Cozumel, it's just like I'm bringing my kiteboarding gear. And even if it's just one day of wind, that's great. Or if it blows like for a week, that's great too. I, you know, I'll be able to either <laughs> dive or kite. And, and that's, as long as I'm doing something, I'm happy. Yes, same here. We have the same energy, same frequency. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what what have you learned in teaching others how to kite surf? Throughout what your have career? I learned? Um, learn a lot of patience. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, it, this, this, you know, different personalities um, help you develop different teaching methods and I guess the, the biggest thing for me is just seeing the sheer face of stoked of someone that didn't think they had what it takes to, to learn a sport or, or, or were going through any, any specific hurdle in life and, and just seeing that they can do it or seeing that I can do it. So that stokes them up to do it. So I don't know, like there's, there's different variables on like what, what teaching gives you. And, and for me, just more when I'm teaching uh, with nonprofits, with uh, veterans with disabilities or just anyone with disability, period, just there, there's, there's this sheer stoke that you see in people's faces. It's, no matter what your disability may be, you know, with the right training and the right equipment, you will be able to do anything. And, and that's just that that's pretty emotional. 
Yeah, I can imagine. It's emotional for me when I'm learning something and I've tried over and over and over, like, why am I not getting this? Why can't I do this? I suck. I'm not going to keep going. But, you know, that's just a little bit of, you know, sometimes negative talk, you tell yourself for two seconds and then you're out of the water and you're like, wait, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I still love doing this. <laughs> and then, you know, the sense of accomplishment you have afterwards, I can only imagine how it is you know, for people with disabilities. It's hard for us with no disabilities. I can only imagine, you know, for others who get into it thinking it's not possible. And, yeah. you know, just the emotion. Yeah, you gotta try more. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's definitely more frustrating, but when you get it, it's just the more rewarding, you know? Definitely, yes. And what advice would you give to someone nervous about learning a new water sport if they have a handicap or disability or with that one? Um, I would say just go for it, embrace the nervousness, but don't let it stop you from trying something new. Um, and if you embrace it, it's going to turn from fear to joy. And it's just, you're just going to go up into another level. So go for it. Yes, definitely. Yes. I encourage everybody else too that I work with, just go for it. I work in healthcare and they're like, how do you have time between being a mom to do that? and be at work and have the energy. And I feel like it just gives me the energy. The ocean gives me so much happiness, joy, relieves so much stress. Like I have to do it. If I'm not there, if I'm not in it, I feel like, okay, now the energy is like wiping out of me. Like I, I need to, you know? I feel you 100%. And, and have you had any moments where like you were scared in the ocean or panicked or nervous, whether it was scuba diving or kite surfing or with a student? I, I definitely always have been self-aware of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you well, on that one. <laughs> like, it is the one thing, I, I gotta say, like, even more barracudas. Like, I'm sure to see a shark than a barracuda, but anytime I go in the water, the first thought that goes in my head is shark. And and I dive and and I and I've I've dove with sharks. Like we live in Florida, so Florida's yeah. sharky. Um, Definitely. But yes, it's just the one thing. Like when I fall in the water, when I'm body dragging, when I'm doing all this stuff, I'm just like, ta -na, ta -na, and I'm just like looking. <laughs> and you know, it doesn't stop me from going in the water, but it is a, a thought that is just always there. <laughs> yeah, I I've you. learned deal with it you know it's either i deal with it or i don't get in the water and, and i love being in the water way too much so that is just not an option um yes but you know what for me diving if i see a shark i'm a lot more comfortable than if i'm splashing out in the water and and i don't see that's that that's what gets me if i'm if i can see it i know what it's doing if i cannot see it that messes with me i know yeah <laughs> i i love scuba diving with them 100 percent I've gone scuba diving with tiger sharks, hammerheads, bull sharks, lemon sharks, you name it. I go to Jupiter for shark baited dives. I absolutely love it, but I don't, I don't get as happy when I see it surfing. Yeah. <laughs> I get a little nervous. I'm like, okay, Jennifer, it's just a shark. They're scared of you. They swim away. It's all fine. Because <laughs> I see them a lot here and the water is so clear in Sarasota most of the time. And I can see them perfectly. And, and, and so I see a lot, you know, little baby ones. If I'm 
wing foiling, you know, in the Bay Area and stuff, like where the Lido key kind of like comes out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. I see them a lot there, little baby ones. I've seen big ones on the beach. It's like, oh gosh, they're around, but it's okay. It's their home too. This is yeah, their, home their home. We need them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's totally okay. <laughs> they just swim past you. What's what's the favorite uh, marine life that you've seen while kite surfing or, or scuba diving? Oh, so I was recently in Ecuador um, this last late July, early August. And um, this bay where I was in Santa Marianita, it just attracts a wild amount of whales. And specifically in this bay is whales with the calves. So you're Aww. just riding and all the sudden you just see the humpback whale just coming out and just the water rush. So I'm outside doing a demo and and I see this whale with his calf that is just really close to shore. And I was just like, oh, I want to get really close to it. So I go and I start just kiting and there's a few kiters like following it. And then I'm just like trying to like do a little tack. As I'm tacking, the whale just comes out and I literally have to like throw the kite in the opposite direction so I wouldn't hit the whale. And I was just seeing it and just seeing its massive body and its fin and everything. And for about like 20 minutes, I kept on just following from the water and her and her calf will come up. And then eventually they just took a breath and took off and I didn't see them again. That was (gasps) extremely awesome. That is that is extremely awesome. Yes, I don't know what other words to use besides it's extremely awesome. <laughs> did you get that on video? I did. I have it on my GoPro. I actually um, on one of my stories. If you look uh, on the stories from uh, the highlights of Ecuador, there's a couple pictures there of the humpback of the of the whale. Okay, I'll be scrolling back and looking for that. So you know <laughs> who's will be stalking your page later today. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, so I, I admire you a lot, Francis, because even with a disability, a leg amputation, you compete a lot. And I, tried to. I can't get into competing. I keep thinking, nah, I'm going to let the pros handle that. I just want to be in there for fun. This is my relaxation time. I don't want to stress out over it. I don't want to, you know, get nervous about it. But you go all in and you compete. Why did you decide to compete and what's the hardest aspect of it? Uh, I used to be a little bit more competitive years ago. Um, now I do it. Uh, but, you know, my circle, my, my group of friends tend to be just like, Francis, you got to do it. And I'm like, ah, I to compete. No, you got to do it. I'm like, ah, I don't want to compete. And then just, you know, sheer pressure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, These days I do a lot more racing than um Twin tip racing than than uh, freestyle, and and that's fine. But uh, you know, from time to time, if there's a local competition uh, and there's a few chicks that, that want to compete, I I'm definitely down for it. I'm uh, my inner self is very competitive, so I you know when when I say no, it's just because I know that if I get into it, I'm just gonna be just this battle with my brain because I cannot suck and. <laughs> And and it's just that that inner, inner personal battle with being competitive with my own self to try to accomplish uh, a good goal and and try to just to to show that hey this chick that is missing a leg she actually can shred and or she she she's fast and she knows how how, how to compete you know and and how to race or or whatever 
So I'm, I'm always, I'm always having that inner, inner competition with, with my own. Yes, definitely. No, I, I totally get it. I'm like that at the gym. Like when I did, I did CrossFit for several years. Now I'm at Orange Theory and I'm, I'm super competitive <laughs> with myself, especially, you know, and just trying to get faster than I did last time. I'm always looking at previous records of, you know, how much did I lift, how fast, how quickly I did that row, et cetera, et cetera. How quickly I did that mile. Okay. Let me beat it. Um, that's another reason why I don't want to compete. <laughs> and also just the conditions, you know, I did, I did do one race, one wing foil race uh, up here in St. Pete. And I really didn't like the light wind conditions we had that day. It was such a struggle. And I was like, nope, I don't want to do this again. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're racing in light wind conditions, it's just a struggle. Like you're just literally trying to finish. Like it's not, you don't get the, the speediness of it or it's just literally who is the most efficient at trying to make something out of nothing. And that is just a complete yes. challenge on itself. Like it's very technical. Like, and, and it's just, it's just, it, it's meant to just struggle. That's one thing like Florida, we, the last few years haven't had the greatest seasons and, and the, the win is, it's not the most consistent as a lot of places in my territory. And, and when you have good conditions and, and you have a, a good race, it's a completely different feeling than like having to race in offshore conditions, 12 miles into a pier or into a lighthouse, or like you barely have any wind and you're just, just down looping the kite, trying not to keep on going downwind and end up in a channel. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's a different, it's a different animal for sure. Yes, no, definitely. And then I get really scared of the lineup. I remember when I first lined up with all the other racers and just trying to get out, I was really nervous. I'm like, am I going to bump into anybody? Am I going to fall, make a fool out of myself? Like I just, so many things went in my head. And I, <laughs> so I admired you a lot for doing that <laughs> and, and getting it all into it because I just, with no disability or anything, I just, I don't want to do it. I can't like, I, I want to keep it, my wing foiling for fun. It's a, uh, I don't, I don't think I see myself racing again. <laughs> maybe, maybe in Puerto Rico, I thought about doing it there just mm -hmm. because, you know, it's my island. It's where I kind of fell in love with the ocean and all of that. And yeah. just to practice and race there where I first started would be kind of neat, but I'm not sure exactly how consistent the wind is over there. I know I, when I lived there, I was more uh, just surfing. So I know the waves were good. But I never, I forgot now how the wind was. So I'd have to like ask people, hey, how's the windy season? Have you gone kite, kite surfing there a lot or not? Really? Um, so the last time I was there was a couple of years ago. I was doing a demo and the winds were pretty consistent the first day. Like if you go anywhere from July to January, you may or may not get wind because it's the rainy season. And okay. when the yes. rainy season starts, it just kills the wind. So, but anything in between, like, I would say like mid January until June, early July, you, you, you have almost everyday wind. Like, and it's, yes. it's okay. decent when it's about 15, 15 to 18, 20 knots. And that's okay. it just east breeze that just comes in. Like when it starts getting warm around 10 o'clock in, in the morning, and then it shuts off around in the evening. And, and that's, okay. that's every day, every day. 
and that's like on the north part of the island like ocean park yeah ocean park is a verde that's pretty consistent the south area like uh, guayama um Mm -hmm. that area it's it tends to be two to three knots um stronger in la parguera too which is the southwest side of the island just because they get more uh thermals so it it started the, the hotter it gets the more wind they get but uh okay. yeah northeast is uh trade winds okay cool very neat very neat and what would you say was there i guess a life altering moment or a life altering experience you'll never forget whether it was emotional learning something uh or with a student or in kite surfing that's kind of like shaped a part of who you are today or your goal for your career or for helping others with disabilities? Well, I guess I have two. One, which is, you know, the most traumatic event in my life, losing a leg. Um, You know, my life entirely changed after that. Like everything that I thought I was going to do and how my life path was going was irrevocably completely shook, you know? And that gave me the opportunity to, to be where I am today. I'd probably still be in the military or... God knows doing what, you know, um, but losing the leg gave me a chance to just do what I really wanted to do. And it was a point in my life in which I, I had two paths laid in, in, in front of me was either give up and just be a victim and be someone that just felt sorry for herself and just wouldn't try anything and just be stuck in a bed, just feeling miserable. Or the path that I took, which was to try to shred as, as hard as possible and not give up, not surrender, and just make the best out of life with what I got. And, yeah. and that was the decision eventually that I made. So that has been one of the biggest impacts in my life. And I guess the second one was last year when I got selected to represent the U.S. in Italy. Uh, for it was a, a clinic to develop kiteboarding for future Paralympics. And out of uh, seven athletes worldwide, I was the only female and um, the one chosen for the U.S. So being able to represent uh, the country that I live on and an international event that was very unique and, and by itself a very big accomplishment as a kiteboarder. Um, just traveling the world, doing kitesurf, you know, that was yes, pretty. Yes, definitely. And how does the racing community, what do you, I guess, what do you like and dislike about the racing community when it comes to people with disabilities and how they compete? Is it like their own category or do you just join other women? How does that So there's not out? enough kiteboarders with disabilities to, to be its own class. Not yet, unfortunately. And that was one of the things that when I went to Italy was being discussed with World Sailing and um, the Power Development uh, Program. Um, it's that in order for it to be a, a class, its own class, you need to have a certain amount of participants, right? And in other sports like sailing or anything that is in the Paralympics, there's a big quorum of people that are doing the event. I mean, maybe in the next 10, 15 years, it's going to become more accessible for people with disabilities. And, you know, you start seeing more. I see more like adaptive athletes in uh, 
high borders in, in Brazil. There's a few now. And, uh, you know, you got a couple people that are doing uh, sit foiling and in, in Europe and in the Caribbean. So it's becoming to, to, to grow, but for it to get where it needs to be in order for it to be a separate class, I think we're at least a decade away. Still a while away. Yeah. So I compete with the table people because that's the choice that I got. I don't have any other choice and that's fine because I've, I've proven several times that even when I'm missing a leg, I'm still doing podiums. So, you know, Oh wow. It, it, it sucks and it doesn't, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely. It's shoot that, that was, that's must, that must be a very huge sense of accomplishment. Um, you know, so rewarding, you know, just mentally, emotionally, um, that's and it's so, so inspirational for people who, whether they have a disability or not, to just get out there, enjoy that stoke, you know, smile out there, you know, be happy, make the most out of life. And um, so I thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I, I since I met you last year at uh, you know, the Women of Wing retreat, I love following your page and seeing what you're doing and just rocking it. It, it definitely helps me like Jen. She can, if this badass can keep going and go to the gym, you can definitely get your butt to the gym today, <laughs> get on the water, <laughs> do your thing, no excuses. And, but also just, you know, be happy and grateful that we can be out there on the water. Mm -hmm. We're healthy. And I know you, you know, uh huh. and one last question. I know you've done a lot of traveling already. Is there any places you haven't been to that you want to go to? for kite surfing or scuba diving or both? Absolutely. I, I haven't ventured much into Europe yet. Uh, my only European experience was last year in Italy. And yeah, definitely. I would love to go to New Zealand. I would love to go to Africa. I'd love to go to Greece and, and do both, like kiteboard and dive, because I hear like Greece has really good diving. And New Zealand is pretty freaking spectacular, you know? And so, yes, definitely. There's there's a lot more to do. There's a lot more to explore. Oh, of course. There's, that, list is, that list is endless. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can go to, you did mention some great spots. I know Greece. I've heard amazing things about Greece when it comes to the wind sport community. That's really big over there. And, uh, and definitely New Zealand, too. I think that's some of the strongest winds in the world, right? Yes. yes. New Zealand? They, 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 there's... There's pictures of places in New Zealand that the trees, like just the leaves grow in this way because it's so windy, so constantly, so strongly that there's nothing in here but just bark and all the leaves just blown out this way. It's wild. Yes, definitely. Really wild. But thank you so much, Francis. I appreciate your time. And this is a wrap for episode number four. Thank you, Francis, so much for being a part of Her Ocean Story. Mahalo to my listeners. I hope you guys found her story very inspirational and maybe you're interested in trying out some water sports, kite surfing, wing foiling, or diving, anything that it might be. If you really have enjoyed the show, please subscribe, leave a rating, a review, anything to help her ocean story keep growing. And if you know of anybody who'd be great to have on the podcast for me to interview, please send me an email at heroceanstory at gmail.com. I hope you guys are having a great time on the water this week. Mahalo and aloha.